Oot news, everyone! Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. I am Nunes Colin. I'm Jace. Hello. And tonight we're going to episode three, season four of Doctor Who, the new series. Really, Doctor Who? I didn't expect that one. Thank you, Michael, this, for the clarification. This the was, planet of the Ood? This is the planet of the Ood. Although if you had listened to our opening, you'd probably know this. Well, Especially since you were the one that did the, uh, did the opening. <laughs> it was very oud. Yeah, but you know, there, there's, you, you can't good. always be confident that you know the name of the episode. I, I know in your expertise, Michael, and your Shelby, you know, you know exactly the name, the you know, the season. Well, it's like also time. in the title of our Who podcast. did the music? Who, who wrote it? But who directed it? it was Let me just say that this episode was directed by Graham Harper, who also did The Caves of Androzani and Revelation of the Daleks back in the 1980s. So a Colin Baker and a Peter David story were done by this director, both phenomenal in terms of direction. And How old is this director? Uh, he was in his 60s, I think, when he did uh, Plan of the Ood. Okay, that makes sense. Don't forget, Plan of the Ood. He's, I mean, Graham Harper is still directing. He's been directing since the 80s. So he's, I mean, he's built up a very good reputation. And he's a fine director. He's usually very good with darker things and things that are more um, thought-provoking. Which this this one certainly was. dark, thought-provoking episode. Speaking of dark, wasn't it interesting that right after Donna was like, hey, the Oods are basically slaves, we had a person of color whipping... The Ood. And loving it. Yeah. Like, he was into, like, brutalizing them throughout the entire episode. He was, like, crazy. Like, that was the first introduction. Like, wow, this is slavery. Black dude whips this Ood, and then later on is, like, obsessed with just dominating them and, like, exterminating... Well, not exterminating them. This isn't a Dalek episode, but, like, gassing them and stuff. Like, that was dark. He just, like, seemed angry. I don't know if it, like, he even, like, loved doing it. Like something like that, but he just seemed like he was like very intense. Like I think he was a bully. I think he was just literally someone who you would not want to meet on the playground at yeah. school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And then he got put in a position would be in that of, job would be attracted to. Well, yeah, he gets to go put into a position of power over you but, know beings that are forced to be subservient to him, and he's a bully. Of and course, then played the claw game yeah. with the doctor, which I thought was a really fun touch to this episode. Messed up, but really fun. Yeah. Well, also very, I mean, it gives the coat, like, its own scene. Because <laughs> the coat's just kind of flapping behind. And what I don't really understand display. too much of is when they were trying to grab the doctor and Donna, why Donna wasn't, like, taken and, like, interviewed or however they say it and just thrown in, like, one of those shipping boxes instead. 
I think they were planning on just getting rid of them. Well, they wanted... Remember, they said they wanted them alive, but... Well, but that, uh, like, not all of them may have known that. Well, I think they threw her in there temporarily so they could go get the doctor as yeah, well. Because like they, they wanted both of them to be questioned. And it's easier to keep them her secure there. Yeah. And they didn't want to have to leave to go take her somewhere because then that... Well, I hope they know. wrote down what number box they put her in. <laughs> yeah, that is true. They they all kind of look the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure they knew where it was, though, because it was the first box that you come into. <laughs> I just thought it was very random. Yeah, a lot of boxes here, you know, and, you know, Ferraris look better than boxes. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well said. That was a great, that was a great scene where the doctor comes out in the very cold weather and is going on with this long, elaborate speech about how it's the first time Donna's anywhere on any planet. And she's not even there to listen to this wonderful, glorious speech. And I'm sure the 10th doctor is like, man, kind of like Matt Smith's scene where he's like, and nobody's here to, to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, poor baby. Oh my gosh, there's so much going on with this episode. Like, I, I want to go back to the guy that we were just all calling a bully. Um, you know what? Yeah, I, I think that's super appropriate. Command, like, it's is, commander. Is, is a whip ever really appropriate with an ood in the context that we know, like, other humans interact with dude because that's 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 where the whole thing is like humanity is in some is definitely the monster here but a lot of them aren't fully aware of what's happening um it, it's almost like they've been hoodwinked to believe that you know oods really do just desire to help others and that's like what their life is about or could be Which killed without doing it sense but at the same it time they did make it. it a point to say but they don't like, ask the, the doctor, questions like beforehand like glossed over it the last right. time that we saw the you're right like, well he he states that he had to gloss over it because he was obviously dealing with everything else that was going on i i actually um i love that you guys brought up this Top, this uh, glossing over bit because I th- loved that. I thought this episode did such a great job of like depicting how people, like the humans were so, uh, it's like they, they were forced to think of the Ood as not people because then they'd have to reevaluate their way of life. And it just, you know, showed. And then you even had, you know, um, Harpin or whatever his heart. Yeah. Or whatever his Halpin. name is. Halpin. Um, he was, uh, you know, really cruel to, like, Ood in general. But then he had that moment of, like, kindness with Ood Sigma where he was just like, oh, go join your people. Because he did recognize the, you know, with the one that he had spent so much time with, he actually did understand, like, that they were people he just, like, didn't allow himself to think about it, which just makes it so much crueler well he was the dedicated one to his cause so he probably felt that because ud sigma was doing everything that he asked him to do ud sigma was technically on his side and it i think he saw more of a humane side to ud sigma as a result there was no red eye there was no yeah he got humanized issues. he you was know, very every humanized. you know he was able to like kind of like a pale on all the other Uds, but the closeness of the relationship, just like feasibly the scientist's closest closeness with relationship with Oods that made him strive to get to the bottom of it, infiltrate the organization at the heart of it, and ultimately help, you know, lead them to their freedom. And that was great. And, like, that actor had, like, a lot of really great, like, subtle reactions to everything throughout the whole episode that, you know, I didn't pick up the first time through, but on rewatching you can, like, really see, you know, as he, like, 
is like horrified by what's happening around him, but is like, I have to stay true to my path because otherwise it's all meaningless. That's like a really hard dilemma for him to have to deal with. Are you talking about help in here? No, I'm talking about the, the scientist. Oh, Dr. Um, Ryder. And does he look familiar to you? Like maybe he should be like a wizard or something? James Potter from Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I also wanted to bring up Solana, who's the, the, uh, Indian woman in this, I, well, I guess she's Indian. Um, but she, um, she is a character that I think is kind of not in the know-how as to what's going on around her. And she probably kind of has the, the visor down on her face and can't really think too much. Um, and that's unfortunate, but I think she's, she's complete. I guess she's just complacent in this. No, I think what it really is, and this I also thought was done well, was they had a pretty, smart, charming, friendly, you know, capable young woman. Oh, yeah, who, You know, is classic in Doctor Who. If the Doctor sweeps in, the girl, you know, she ends up on their side, she helps them out, everyone likes her, they all part ways friends, everyone ends up better off at the end, and, and so forth. And, you know, she just bucked that stereotype because if she had been you know any other type like physical characteristics and personality type and everything we would have just seen her for what she was which was one of the people who was doing these things and frankly knowingly because even when she knew it didn't change her behavior it didn't even seem to phase her like she knew she just didn't ask as she, <laughs> you know she you know chastised others for and it was kind of a, a brutal shock because, yeah, just based on all of her characteristics and knowing the show, well, you would have thought she would turn out well, so it was a little bit tragic. It she was, was tragic. so close. She was so close. I mean, uh, in many ways, she did save the day, even with turning back. Like, she let the doctor and Donna know where they needed to go, where the ood were, and that got them to the next step. Without that, it could be all going out the window. She That's also kind of stopped the doctor <laughs> from being grabbed by the claw, too. Right, but then of course, right after, calls for the guards, you know, and, and ushers them on their way, and still is, you know, very much in her role, trying to, you know, play the corporate card. Yeah. Plus, she was pretty like, she at least her stated reason was that oh, we have orders to keep them alive, which did seem to be true. <laughs> so. So we have all these side characters. What did everybody think of Donna Noble for her first outing? I thought her reaction to the to the ood when she saw it, like in the snow, was very believable. She initially saw something that she'd never seen before, which is just like an alien on a separate planet, and didn't really register it as a living, breathing creature. And instead, was like, you know, it's an it or like a thing or something. Which I thought was a really nice moment because you know the doctor's like this is like a he like it's a living breathing character and then donna just switched immediately and i thought that was really heartwarming but if no one had ever said that to her would she have fallen into the line with everyone else and and had one as a slave i doubt it but that's a great point to bring up possibly because everyone else was kind of brainwashed into thinking oh they're lessers than us therefore we can control them which is kind of how like slavery in america worked out we're better than them so we can control them you'd like to think that donna was a little bit like street smart in that regard so she may not she may have seen through it i mean she even calls out uh mr halpin um at one point where she calls him an idiot. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a brilliant speech. And and she's like, uh, of course they're 
they're going to be kind. Uh, the ood are going to be kind because they have their brains in their hands. Anybody, any, uh, they have to be. They have no choice. Um, so it's, I think she sees through things a little bit better than your average human in this particular atmosphere. Yeah, I think I think we definitely get that indication. At least I did. It was a good opener for her because it showed that she is very compassionate. Yeah, you know, towards life. And I related with it a lot because, you know, on a lot of these doctor adventures, especially if this was my first one, I would be like, yeah, maybe I should get back home now. <laughs> especially in the middle of it. Although, like how horrifying to, you know, have this grand vision of the universe and go to learn that your species doubles down on slavery, you know, centuries to come. And it's done in an inhumane way, you know, to the max on a massive scale. And just shipped throughout galaxies. Yeah. How horrifying. I'd like to point one more thing out about Donna Noble in this particular episode. I think this is kind of a turning point with her characterization. Because, I mean, in the very first episode that we see her for the Christmas special, she's kind of shallow and, and not really the Donna that we know her of from season four. And this particular episode, I think really kind of, I mean, the last one too. With, yeah. Fires with, of Pompeii did it pretty strongly. They did. Yeah, I did. But I mean, this kind of continues that trend where it just, it really kind of points out that she has changed and she's, I think it's part of her evolution too. She's changing as we're watching her. Yeah. And we watch her and she's extremely compassionate and emotional and frankly, you know, pretty insecure, but none of those things seem to make her any weaker in the way that she interacts with people. No, she's got you know? an inner strength. That she, and that's what I love about Donna. Like, but if I were to like, just look at her character, I would just be like, Oh, this is just like another basic female companion. But I absolutely love her, especially compared to Martha. She can definitely pull her own weight, put oh, yeah. the doctor in his place and just be you know, not, like, be the doctor, but, like, stick up for herself. This is her first, not first episode, but one of her first episodes, and she, like, stands up to the villain without, like, help from the doctor. That's awesome. Like, she has balls. Yeah. yeah I love yeah, that. The brain and hand moment, better doctor speech than the doctor had in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also really loved, like, how David Tennant just, I never noticed it before, but I just love how he gets so excited about certain things and so happy and so passionate and just is so jumpy because it just feels so genuine. It's, it's really fun. I think this episode really kind of highlights his acting ability because you do have those moments where he's so excited and, and kind of childlike and has that sense of wonder that the doctor's supposed to have. And then there's moments where he's intense, very intense, and just concentrating on the the sounds of the oud singing uh, their song of captivity, which is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you, Murray Gold. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, I got to get it in sometime, right? Murray! <laughs> but... Um, I, I really I really love how they kind of play with that. So indeed. And the music in this episode, absolutely gorgeous. I think that including the ending, the song of freedom. I like the song of freedom better. Well of course. That's kind of <laughs> it kind of it's supposed to make you feel good. <laughs> I know. But the but it's but the hauntingness of the song of captivity Ooh. is is very well done and and in a very haunting way. It's very beautiful too. So 
I'll give it credit. Sure. But yeah, David David Tennant really shines, I think, in this episode. I think you see a lot of different aspects of his character. Well, how about how he reacted when uh, Ud Sigma told him that his song was ending soon? Yeah. That was pretty great. Yeah. He's like, wait, what? Huh? What? <laughs> it was. Hold up. Hold up. Time out. <laughs> and I love how we see, you know, um, you know, the, the, the most monstrous human in this episode um, give some compassion to the Ood, and then you see the Ood take the compassion and turn to him. You know, they don't take vengeance. They don't kill him. No. They they make him family. Although that's their way, their too. That is their way from the beginning. Right. No, well, no Ood kind right. can kill. Well, I mean, then that's the, that's the amazing thing, because it's sort of like you think, how could a species that's so innately peaceful, you know, really survive? Let me just turn you into one and, of us. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> wow, what a move. To do that, like, who would have thought to do that? And the doctor, let me just change your species. The doctor's reaction to that, too, is priceless. And Donna's reaction, too. He's like, she's like, I don't know what's right or what's wrong. And the doctor's like, eh, well, you know, just kind of <laughs> go with the flow, I guess. So they, you know, release the restrictions on, you know, I, I guess, like, the hive mind of, of the Ood. And this instill the, the songs come back in the true form. And, you know, everyone has their freedom. The question that I have here is, like, is that just one hive mind from one warehouse? Are there others in other warehouses? And what's happening across the galaxy with all the other Ood, you know, that are in their servantile roles with humans? Maybe Jody will have, like, an episode where we just find, like, three Ood brains scattered around the the, universe. The doctor said they were coming home, Um, so... That implies that, like, there was some sort of process, like, ships were sent out to collect them or something. But also, like, I don't know, this is their home planet, and the brain was found, like, buried deep, you know, beneath the surface or whatever, so it's feasible that it's there's just the one. I think it is just the one. But the that's re- a great I point. did, too, the- but the other one would have been more fun. But here's the thing, though, is that... The reason why this is the one is that as they get closer, the Ood can have the red eye and have the problems that they have. When they've got their brain chopped off and they're sent out into space, they don't have a connection to the the Ood sphere. So it's kind of like they're completely distant from it, in a sense. Right, and that's kind of what I wanted to get, you know, get to the bottom of. Like, what's happening at the same time all the, you know, Ood on this planet somewhat wake up. Yeah, I, I was thinking are, that... Are they still in they, the same mood when they're out on the other planets? Or are they getting this, you know, somewhat sense of freedom themselves? Is there a dynamic there? I think they're getting the freedom. And I don't actually think that the signal was any stronger, like... Well, maybe, like, it was stronger, but I don't think it, like, it was, like, gone if you go out to the galaxy. Because it is... Well, not gone, because it's obvious that the... I mean, the, you'd even say we're going to talk about you, the Doctor and Donna... Of, for, year, for centuries to come and it's going to go all throughout the universe on their song. I think their song radiates throughout the universe but like any radio waves or any any kind of sound my guess is that as you get further and further away it's harder to receive that signal. Yeah, but they're all telepathic and who knows how that really works and you know they don't really explain like the parameters of it. Technology, But, but you're right, plus it, it did get stronger when they're closer to the to the brain, but uh, I guess the yeah. other question that has to come up is what happens to those who still have their second brain missing? Do they have any yeah. part of their personality and their emotions back, or is that 
or is it just that they're kind of like Cybermen, but with at least the general thoughts of day-to-day life? Ood Sigma was not like a Cyberman. No, no, no. I know that. I'm just but, saying. And he had the, the brain cut off. And so I think that they'd probably be similar to that. I mean, I don't think they're totally without emotion. I mean, that's, you know, they pretty clearly, that's not the case. So it's, you know, more just whatever, you know, amount of it that that part of the brain was responsible for is... I don't think that they can get that back. I was just going by what the doctor said because he said, "Take all your emotions and your and your thoughts and all all the things that make you you, and then lop it off." And that's what he said. So I was thinking, it's more like instead of them being individuals, they're more kind of like kind of like a hive mind almost. They all kind of think similar thoughts. Yeah, because it, it's unclear what role the hive mind plays. Like, can they can the other ood share emotion with? Right. And, and even one, if you, you know? do have your brain, your secondary brain, you know, and you have connection to the other brain, does the other brain overrule you in some senses too? Or are they all really a hive mind? Well, I think the third, in that, I in think that level of like kind of free willy type kind of question. Yeah, I mean, it it is kind of weird because the doctor says the two brains on one individual would be at odds with each other, so you need the third out outer brain to kind of bring it back down. My guess is that also it's possible that all the Ood's personalities and thoughts are all stored on the main brain. So it may, it would make sense that they could actually kind of receive some of their own thoughts back afterwards, kind of like computers. Yeah. That would be, that. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. That's an interesting way to run a race, just have it all centered into like one brain. It's not something you see on Doctor Who very often or even a lot of sci-fi well, then the real question is, though, is it really actually just one creature that's just can can spawn more appendages yeah, I mean, that each have their own sense one? of brain? They're all integral to the same, and seemingly, you know, they're, it's an aproductive, you know, an asexual kind of reproduction. This reminds me of the episode of Rick and Morty with um, Unity. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Kind of. Yeah, there are hive minds out there in sci-fi for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird. I never thought of the Ood as just being like one single entity that just has like other thingalings walking around. Well, I mean, yeah, because if you kill the brain and it kills all of them, yeah. and yeah, that's just the one core entity and it's just the other things really are just more like they consist of its body and they have some control mechanisms of their own. You know, I wouldn't think we'd go there, jump to that conclusion so easily because they are, they, they should be very easy to humanize. They're so anthropomorphic in so many ways. If you go back to the whole hive mind thing, by the way, there is an episode or a story from the classic era called Time and the Rani where the Rani actually creates a hive mind using the brains of all the uh, elite and geniuses of the universe, although most of them seem to come from Earth for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you can hear us rip into that one in our podcast on the matter. <laughs> yeah, that would be another one to, Classic. to revisit with everybody, too. But at any rate, um, I think it's time to rate this, this story. I forgot about that part. All right, let me go. Ratings, ratings, ratings. Or I'll go first then. Okay. Wow, okay. Switch a room. I thought that this episode was fantastic. I have probably seen it like eight times. It's uh, one of my favorite ones. And, you know, for whatever reason watching it this time, I just felt like I was really, you know, in tune and it was like the second time I watched it all over again. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> um, 
I think that all of the characters were very strong. I thought the plot line was very strong. I think it was uh, someone, uh, Temple, wrote this. Uh, yes, it was written by Keith Temple. Keith Temple. Um, very well written, very well, you know, executed. It was a very powerful episode that, you know, also it, it left with a feeling of hope at the end. You know, even with all the darkness that was that was there at the beginning, um, I thought that it went to some you know great philosophical places. I thought that the um, their political statement that they made in it with having you know the uh, or well not really a political statement, but I think it's probably the extent to political statements I prefer in Doctor Who when they had the black actor play the slave driver. <laughs> um, maybe the current people could take a. You know him from that. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, yeah, I thought this one was fantastic, so I am giving it a 10. Ooh, nice. Wow. Okay, so I thought this episode was great. I actually watched it for the first time a few weeks ago, and watching it the second time, that's when it really tugged on the heartstrings for me. Because I kind of knew what was going to happen, so I kind of was able to pick up all the signs. And right when, you know, very intense parts are going to happen. Like, this is, the, uh, this is the second time watching it did make me tear up. Because by this point, I had learned more about the Ood, and I had seen what they had been through. I, it, it, I, I just thought it was a well-rounded episode. I don't have much to say. I'm going to give this episode a 9 out of 10. I thought Donna was stellar, and she might actually be one of my favorite companions because she just really holds her own, and I absolutely love that. Like, give me a strong female companion. It's, like, my favorite thing in the world. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm giving it an A. I thought David Tennant was awesome. I thought the characters were awesome. I liked how they did have that one... Um, actor of color playing like the slave master which was really really dark and proving that you know history just repeats itself if you just are stupid but yeah that's it so for clarification's sake I heard a 9 and I heard an 8 in there oh I'm gonna give it a 9 9 that's solid I think that's wise this was a fantastic episode I I think we're we're all in agreement that this is enjoyable It, it, it was gripping all throughout um, I love the Ood. The Ood are great characters. It's a great species brought into Doctor Who. The last time that I saw them, I got these flashbacks of Douglas Adams. Not from his tenure in Doctor Who, but actually from um, his Hitchhiker's story where he has um, a cow that can come here and it wants to uh, really persuade you to eat part of it. You know, it's it's an, it's a horrible thing. You, you shouldn't be able want to do this to a conscious creature or anything, but somehow... You know, it's it's giving this consent for you to cannibalize it in in some sort of a way, and it made me think about the ood in in a similar light. Like, can can you know more or less beings just want to be subservient in in that kind of way and to that degree? The only thing that they need is that. It was a it was a weird, powerful question to kind of have you wrestle with, and it leads me into the fun fact of the week. Today, March eleventh is Douglas Adams' birthday. Um, mm-hmm. Classic Doctor Who influence, but not only that, it's Alex Kingston's birthday. River Song. And if you thought that wasn't enough, it's the triple threat. It's John Berriman's birthday today. Happy birthday, Captain Jack. Happy birthday to Alex Kingston and John Berriman. And Douglas Adams, rest in peace. Indeed. If you're by his grave, uh, leave some pens or, or maybe a towel. 
definitely a towel. I don't get these references. I'm very confused. <gasps> oh my god, you've never read Hitchhiker's well, Guide we'll to the Galaxy. later. I'm not a geek, as I'm on a I can lend it to you. <laughs> I, yeah, right. Okay. Well, back to my rating. <laughs> um, my continued love for the Ood, uh, it's just involved relationship. Like, we wanted more after the first hand. And I still have so many questions. Like, it's, it's philosophically intriguing from a lot of different angles, not just what the humans are doing with them and their interaction, which is terrifying, makes you reflect on your own humanity, um, but also just is a lot to think about, you know, in a species that is, you know, born with their brains in hand and how vulnerable and the implications of that and what that life might be like. And to what extent these, you know, creatures are one, you know, all for one or one for all or maybe just one creature. Um, but I loved it. You know, we, we said great side characters. It holds true. Um, great at bringing the attention all the way along. And it's gripping. A lot of great emotion in this story. Um, I'm very hesitant to give any 10s out of 10s, but it's, it's getting very close. And I'm going to I'm gonna put in a point five in there, 9.5 out of 10. You always do this. Have you ever rated a story a 10? Yes. Other than listen? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Well, I'm not exactly sure what I rated the story last time, so I'm just going to say... That's fine. That was that time. This is this time. It's The time is now. Yes. So I'm going to go with 9.75, and that's my say. You're worse than Colin. (laughs) Well, good thing we didn't put a repeating decimal in there. No, I wouldn't do that. No, I'm pretty... I've used .75 or .25s before, but this is so close to 10, but not quite there. Not quite. It's just missing something else that might be epic, like overall, to take it away. What else could it be, though? I just, I mean, there are certain stories that I think are just slightly elevated above into the extremely stellar category. I think a lot of the times what it, what it is and what I'm looking for, I'm looking for something significant past, like, the story itself. You know, like, I, I want something that's been building for episodes, hopefully seasons, or maybe, like, years. Bad wolf. Yeah, to like really have something come together to be on an epic kind of scale. And I think that's what was lacking for me to bump it all the way up. But, you know, without that context, you know, you're writing it alone in, in somewhat of a bubble. You know, uh, you could convince me on a 10. Are you going to say anything about the episode? I I think I've said enough. All you said was here, here. Said nine point seven five. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love the music. I love the direction. I love the visuals. I love the acting. I love the 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 basic concept of this this story. I mean, there's really not much more that I haven't talked about already. All right. Well, um, <laughs> bye, guys. Anyway, have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.